Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. Today, I have a new guest, Mr. Assad Frazier. I'm going to turn over the microphone, turn the microphone over to Mr. Assad and give him a chance to greet you all and then tell you a little bit about himself. And then we'll get started right into our conversation of the day. So, Mr. Assad, the microphone is all yours. Uh, Good evening, everyone. My name is Assad Frazier, and I am uh, currently in the middle of starting a farm from uh, me and my family from the ground up. It is a um, family farm started on Ayers property that's been in the family for um, over 100 years at this point. So I am originally from Columbus, Ohio, uh, born and raised, moved down to Alabama for school um, by way of Tuskegee University. Uh, I went for my undergrad environmental science and I went back for my master's in plant soil science. And I, uh, upon graduating, I decided I was I was ready and had enough experience to kind of get out here and start this farm. Um, so I, I, I chose the name of the farm, Ella Bees, uh, after my great aunt and my grandmother. And it's been a, uh, been a struggle, but it is uh, a very rewarding uh, journey that I'm on. And that's a little bit about myself. Again, I would like to thank you for accepting my invitation. You touched on so many things during that intro that caught my attention. Number one, we are in Women's History Month, so let me start. Let me start there. I noticed you named the farm LB. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, sir. Okay, so tell me a little bit about LB. Where did the name come from? Why did you name it LB? What was the the push behind that? Okay, LB's farm. It was got the name after a long time of thinking, you know, when you when you um, kind of naming something, something that you really uh, put a lot of pride and a lot of uh, time into. It's almost like naming a child. You want to get the name right. So mm-hmm. it didn't just come right away. Uh, I kind of stole from my dad's uh, idea. He had a garden in Columbus, Ohio growing up and uh toward um uh, toward toward the beginning of the 2000s uh, my grandmother passed away um in you know early 2000s uh so did my great aunt but he named his garden after his his mother ella so it was ella's garden so i kind of took from that idea he had the idea that um people didn't die um, they only died when we let them die you know it was up to us to, to have these people live on uh, through us so that was the spirit that I started the farm in hmm. uh, Ella being my grandmother and B uh, Beatrice being my great aunt and these women kind of held everything together you know hmm. it was we have a saying in the black community uh, uh, we call it Big Mama and Big Mama kind of 
is able to keep everybody together no matter uh, if this person is mad at this person uh, when Big Mama calls the cookout everybody comes and after um, or when Grandma calls the cookout everybody comes right. and then after uh, these people kind of left us you kind of seen a lot of uh, a lot of life kind of hit everybody at his uh, kind of hit everybody life hit everybody a lot of people kind of use that excuse um, as losing uh, my grandmother to let addiction kind of take over and a lot of different things within my family so it's it was I, I named this farm in the name of these women because while they lived they kind of kept everything together and that's one purpose I want this farm to serve uh, for not only other people but my family you know I, I always wanted and had an interest in the younger generation uh, coming up right now and things that we're doing now that's going to help these uh, these children in the future. So that's what this farm is about, kind of carrying that same spirit and being that uh, support system and that resource that our, that our uh, I like the term you use, our our, our matriarch, uh, matriarchal uh, uh, icons or people in the family uh, that role that they serve, you know. Right. So that's 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 kind of the 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 spirit and the purpose of naming the farm after uh, such powerful women. That is a great story, and. You know, it's just a wonderful story to know and, and that they propelled you to do what you're doing and you're feeling that spirit. I love what your father said about they don't die. They just live through you. I think that is the best way I've ever heard it stated. But uh, again, I would like to thank you for sharing that story with us. How much time did you get to spend with with both your mother, Ella? You said, your, Ella was your mother, right? Uh, grandmother. That was and, your grandmother. Uh, and Beatrice uh, was your grand aunt. Yes, sir. Okay. So how much time did you get to spend with both of them? Uh, so my great aunt B, it would be once a year, but kind of once I was at the age where I kind of was aware. Um, I don't know if it was like 10 or 7, but around that time, my great aunt started coming every winter well every thanksgiving through uh new year's mm -hmm. she come from detroit and she catch greyhound and she come from detroit and uh spend the holiday with us you know mm -hmm. and uh i don't want to forget but one thing she would really stress uh that I always remember I didn't remember too much didn't ask her too many questions as a child I didn't understand the importance but she always stressed that say we should save our money you know mm -hmm. saving our money she was very frugal and we knew her as the the great aunt with a lot of money mm. every time she came we were we were gonna get something you <laughs> yeah, know yeah so it might not have been really big but it was something right and uh it was something special too. It wasn't just no simple stuff. It was always something. So we 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 look forward to that every year, spending that time with her. And it was just beautiful, you know. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother, 
that was all the time. I um, oftentimes um, I just remember my grandmother being able to uh, kind of check the egos. You know, I got a lot of uncles and I told you their father died when they were young. So they got a lot of <laughs> unchecked ego. Right. Just right. letting and, and my grandma was one of the only people that could just, you know, tell them to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's one thing I miss, you know, yeah. especially now that I'm getting older. Right. And it's more uh, I have more an opinion on different things, have my own opinion on things. And I get a lot of slack sometimes uh from uh from my father so i'm just always wishing man like i wish your mom was here mm-hmm. and even now i'm like man i wish i knew how life was to have a grandfather you know yeah because i like i see other people and they're they're uh my friends and their father and their grandfather and i sit back and i watch the dynamics like in real time you mm-hmm. know i watch their father demanding respect and then our, their father wanted to say something, and their grandfather being in there, like, so it, it just really always interested me, and always kind of, um, I don't want to say I was jealous of the fact that I didn't have a grandfather, but it always interested me how those dynamics would play out, mm-hmm. having such a strong, uh, will father. Right. If I did have a grandfather, I always wondered. So, having my grandmother kind of, or if she was still here, I always just um you know just wish i had that that um that support to just say hey he's right andre is my dad mm-hmm. leave him alone or let him do his thing you did this when you were younger like i don't have that so it's really kind of it makes things a little tougher uh but yeah um that's that's kind of like the importance um to me like right. that's that's why these women are important that's why just that hierarchy system is important you know um it really is so i guess i hope i answered your question and not just you ramble, did no you're not rambling because i'm really paying attention to it because i can relate to a lot of what you're talking about because i never got a chance to meet nor see any of my grandparents n- none of them mm. and and so Growing up, I would hear my friends talk about visiting grandparents. It never phased me because I never thought about grandparents. So I was an adult male in my late 30s when I felt the the need of understanding a grandfather. And that's only because my sister decided to disclose the name of a grandfather. But, you know, I don't want to move too much into my history, but I wanted you to know that I can relate to everything you're saying. And and as you talk about your, your grandmother and your great aunt, I am sitting here saying, okay, I, I want you to describe them physically because I have this impression of them right now. So how would you describe them physically? Physically, my grandmother. And that's Ella. Yes, okay. Ella was always, uh, she lived her life, kind of, I was, I would give her, I don't want to, she wasn't always, she wasn't really big mama, mm-hmm. but she was, she w- did have, uh, 
she had a healthy uh, figure on mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I remember uh, when I was younger, as I got older, mm-hmm. um, same with my great aunt. You know how with age, they drop weight, man, especially when it's like gets to the age where um, sickness kicks in. Like they've kind of, we, we have a lot of history of high blood pressure, hypertension uh, in our, in our uh, community due to our diet. So my right. grandmother battled from that. And then my great aunt had breast cancer. So, and we didn't know. She didn't know. Okay. So, one thing I saw was the health deteriorate. And coming into the age, I'm getting older. This is a lot of what I remember of of them is kind of on the way out. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, both of them suffered a hip injury my grandmother fell down the stairs hmm. and that was like one thing i you for sure you noticed it in our community where we get older in age and then you get to that age where if something happens now it might be your accident that take you out of here right, you know it might right. be that so that's kind of what happened hmm. uh to both of them uh it was an accident that kind of sent them into hospice and then you know from then on uh one thing i do want to touch on uh, throughout this conversation maybe not just this second but it's mm-hmm. estate planning estate planning and how the lack of planning just because we don't think we're gonna die don't mean um it's not around the corner we should plan for these things because um this is where the trouble comes in in our community you know it's, yeah. it's not only dealing with the death but now we got to deal with probate because mom didn't leave a will mm-hmm. and all the kids don't care about nothing but this one kid actually does want to do something with with mom's land or dad's land but all the other kids don't care but i'm the interest is divided amongst everybody because mom didn't didn't do what she needed to do as far as uh, making a will mm-hmm. before she's left here so we deal with a lot of a lot of that i do want to touch on that uh, well at some point. you brought it up and that's part of what i what got my attention during your introduction you used the term heirs land or heirs yes. property and that made me think about south carolina when south carolinians uh, African Americans who were descendants of of African slaves in South Carolina were given heirs' land and heirs' property, and they were given this amount of land. But now, you know, whites have began to figure out how to take that property away from them. I have a cousin whose husband is an heir of one of those slaves. So I have a, a an understanding about the heir's property, but were you referring to the heir's property in your family the same as what is going on in South Carolina, or are you speaking of the fact that this was part of the estate? So this was part of an estate, mm-hmm. um, but I'm referring to it in a similar situation. We did have some trouble um, with our estate in the beginning and uh, my dad um 
it was almost a benefit uh, that my dad was just so involved uh, 20 years ago the way he was. Mm -hmm. um, so, and if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have uh, what we have now. So, um, it is kind of similar uh, because it was a it wasn't just how we got land let's get on the land and do what we need to do we had to, to make a lot of uh, sacrifice and a lot of steps mm -hmm. to even getting ourselves and preparing ourselves uh to take on this task when i first uh thought about when i first started helping my dad out i'm dealing with deeds and uh old paperwork we had a lot of old paperwork mm -hmm. basically deeds a lot of mortgage papers, just crazy stuff that um, I didn't even know black people were doing in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Uh, so we had all this paperwork and it was just very eye-opening um, at the level we were operating at when they said we were uh, just coming out of slavery. It was almost incredible right. because I don't see black folk I don't see black folks getting land in the uh, at the magnitude that they were getting it back then. Mm -hmm. If you just look at the records, that, that it, is so true. Amazing. That is so true, and I bring it up all the time. That you're you're on point. So please continue. Yeah, um, and, and another thing, especially in places like Alabama, Mississippi, mm -hmm. it's like where we hear the Confederate and things were so racist it's just you couldn't even imagine mm -hmm. uh, uh, a white person giving or deeding a black person some land mm -hmm. if did all this stuff was going on uh, so I oftentimes I like history so I looked at just recently I, I looked at the dynamics for instance Alabama was established around 1813 1814 mm -hmm. um, as a state right. and you had states like Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania. These states been around 200 years before that, right? Right. And oftentimes when we look at slavery, we just think uh, America, slavery started at the same time, but it was actually big business. And it was kind of more um, specific, for instance, if I'm practicing slavery in Virginia for over 200 years and then here in 1814, Alabama, they might have been practicing it very um, unorganized for a few years. I give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but in 1814, it became actually legal, you know, to how it was a legal process. And now these people in Alabama were able to advocate for um for different rights, uh, different states' rights. So what happened was, I'm in the North. We've been, we have slavery for over, say, 200 years, and then we open it up to the South, but we open it up for between, let's give it a benefit of the doubt, say 1800, right? 1800 up until 1865. We give them 65 years, and then we say, that's it, no more slavery. But there's, there's, the South is looking at the North like, hold on, that doesn't make sense. We haven't been able to reap the benefits of that you all reap from slavery. So there's more of a press in 1800s to keep slavery, not necessarily um, 
if you, and if you think about it that way, I believe it, it brings a little more clarity to as why the South in the 1800s were were fighting for slavery. You, you think a lot of people often think, and, and it wasn't even, and also it was people leaving these North Carolina settlers coming from North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, down into Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. after, so <laughs> you got people leaving the states where slavery was once um, just total free, free-fledged, and then they came into states, well, and then it was outlawed, and then now they're coming into the South where it's, it's still legal. So there's a bigger fight for slavery uh, in the South for those reasons. So, um, and another thing was, I believe that's why we start seeing black people get land during the 1800s. Slavery was changing. It wasn't as cruel. The type of slavery, child slavery, wasn't as cruel as it was earlier, you know. In, 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 in certain areas, I'm saying the South, because it did get very cool in the 1800s in those eastern states, you know, in Maryland, uh, Washington, D.C., people, they did start breeding farms and a lot of other things. So slavery did get cool over there. But in the South, we've seen a lot more of the indentured servitude type of situation. We've seen a lot of skilled labor. Um, that was separating the common field Negro from an actual trades uh, trades. There was a separation. I think when we often think of slavery, and I don't want to jump too back in, on slavery, but when we think about slavery, there we we think all black people are just were on one level, and it wasn't like that. You had levels to slavery. You had cotton pickers. And you had actually skilled labor and a skilled labor had more leverage just in society, even under the agreement of slavery than just the common field labor had. And it's the same today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead. But, you know, you, you've raised a lot of you raised a lot of issues. You raised a lot of history, uh, a lot of thought. And, and there's definitely a gap between, you know, you and I. And, and so what I, what I want to do, because you didn't get a chance to really finish that, uh, we're moving towards the end of what I normally consider a full episode. But like anybody else and like everybody else, I definitely want to grant you the opportunity to continue, to continue this story. So we're going to move into a part two of this interview. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay, so what I'm going to do at this point, I'm going to pause this session. We will stop it, and then we'll continue with part two so that we can continue this this conversation. All right? Okay. All right, so I'm going to pause at this moment. Do not hang up on me because I'm going to bring you right back. Okay. All right.